Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. It's good to have you with us today. Uh, my name is Jim Del Campo. If it's your first time here, welcome. We're glad you're here. You could be anywhere else, but you, you chose to come here. Um, we're going to pick back up in our... Um, we're going through the book of Acts in one year, but we're breaking every seven chapters for a, a small topical series. And so we're back in for our next seven chapters from chapter eight to, I think, 13, 14, somewhere in there. And then we'll break for a four-week uh, Christmas series uh, in December. But uh, I want to try something from here. See how it goes for about the next year or two or however that works. Uh, I, I'm really, um, I, I really want the congregation here to be able to memorize some scriptures. How many know that's a pretty good idea right there? To be able to quote some scriptures, yeah. So uh, I'm gonna start us off weekly with a certain verse, and I'll do this one for maybe two to three months. This one I'm starting off with, and I'll have us say it because I want you to memorize it, and I'm gonna try to always stay specific with studying the Bible until I can find no more of those, and then we'll move to other topics. But I want us to start with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, 17. And I want us to repeat it about a few times. Those at home, please repeat it. Because I want you to get it in your system and be able to just one day spit that thing out. Um, and then I'll tell you one thing about it each week, possibly, or each week for sure. Uh, pull something out of it. But I'm going to count to three, and I want all of us, please just jump in, read it. Those at home, jump in, read it too, out loud. It's a good thing to pay attention to the public reading of Scripture, it says. So here we go. One, two, three. All Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now let's try that again, okay? Because now you're veterans, right? Okay, one, two, three. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. Now, let me give you one thing from that today. It says that all scripture is inspired by God. I think many of you might probably know this, but let me share it for the rest of you as we're learning things. When it says all scripture is inspired by God, the word inspired there. The literal meaning of it means it's God breathed. The God breathed. It comes from the very breath of God. Now that's a very, very important thing because God breathed this. Yes, people say, and in the, in the defense of faith at times, people say, well, it's just a man. It's written by men. Say, yes, it is written by men, the Bible is. But what book isn't written by men, okay? Remember that one. But you also add but it's inspired by God. It's God-breathed. And God did not dictate this to these men. That's not how God transferred it to them, this information, this, this truth. It's called the Isbin Laban. Your situation in life is the way God gave it to them. They were writing under the inspiration, God's breath in their situation in life, these words right here. Jesus was saying, John 17, Thy word is truth. Sanctify them in that word. So Jesus affirms that these things are true. And if you go down into your biblical criticisms, you find they've done so many things. This Bible is, is the most correct from its original, original autographs of any book on planet Earth. It's just a, it's a fact. And scholars have done all this work. So scripture is God breathed. So let's see how God wants to breathe on us today. You ready for that one right there? As we go back into Acts, and it's going to be chapter 8, we'll read there in a second. What I want to talk about today, my title is, How to Stay True to the True Jesus. This, for me, is a very important topic. It's very close to my heart as a person who loves the scriptures. Before I was a Christian, I hated reading. I would only read, back then we read newspapers. We didn't have the online stuff. I would only read the sports page. And so once I became a Christian and I opened this up, it was the greatest thing I'd ever read in my life. And so 
And I've never been able to uh, stop reading it 43 years later. Anybody know what I'm talking about right there? It's just fantastic. You know, good, three of us, hallelujah, right there. We're, we love that word of God. Um, by the end of my life, you're gonna all love that word of God, okay? But how to stay true to the true Jesus? Um, uh, like I said, I think I said right now that I've been saved uh, 43 years. Good to see you're doing good and you're back. I'm glad your back's getting better. Everybody was worried about you, okay? Um, but 43 years... Uh, I've been walking with Christ. And what I'm going to talk about today has always been there. It has always been a problem that tries to invade uh, the scriptures and Christian ranks. But I'm watching more and more of this in my lifetime, and it's something that as Christians, we need to be very aware of. And we need to be on the offensive against it. And, and that is this. Have you noticed? And, it, and, it's, and it's even crazier today, because I, I pay attention um, that people take Jesus and they blend him with all kinds of other pieces of other religions. Has anyone noticed that at all? Raise your hand if you've noticed stuff like that. Okay. And so they do these things. But have you also noticed that not only do they try to blend him with other religions, they take Jesus and they try to blend him with, well, I feel and I think. Have you ever noticed that too? They take what they feel, what they think, and they try to blend Jesus with their ideas or the popular ideas of culture. Now, that is called syncretism. You're syncing together Jesus with something else. It's a very, very dangerous thing. Quickly, most of it that I hear from people, and I hear this mostly, to be honest with you, from Christians, and they're wrong, um, they, they mostly blend Jesus under the guise of just love. That Jesus is only love, just, just love people. Well, yes, he is love, but how many know he's also truth, right? And you can't have truth without love and love without truth. I mean, you know that as a parent. If you love your kid, you're going to tell them the truth. Amen to that one? I mean, you know, that's a simple, logical, it's logic right there. Now, hold that one right under the guise of love, because I'm going to hit that harder in point two when I drill down in the application of life. So today, I want to I go, I want to approach this idea of syncretism, where people are blending Jesus with other pieces of religion or with what they feel and what they think that is contrary to this word of God. It's very important to me to, to attack this. Paul, while I'm thinking about it, Paul in the New Testament, he writes this, not in your notes, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, in verse 3, he starts off and he says this. He says, you know, I'm afraid, I'm worried. This is Paul, guys. This is the big gun Paul. He says, I'm worried. And this is like a couple thousand years ago. I'm worried that as the serpent deceived Eve that by his craftiness, so your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And he says, I'm worried about you guys. I'm worried about you, Jim, that you don't fall prey to this blending of stuff right there. But then two verses later, he really nails it down and something we need to understand. He says this. He says, when somebody comes and preaches another Jesus, he says, you bear this beautifully. In other words, you, there are people who blend Jesus and the Jesus they're presenting is not the Jesus of the Bible. He's another Jesus. And he says, this is my big fear, this is my worry for you guys, that, and that you accept this, that you think it's okay uh, as, as Christians. And, and he says, you, you can't allow this to happen. So today I want to talk about how to stay pure, how to stay true to the true Jesus. If you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, because it'd be great if you got a Bible, start marking that Bible, start writing that Bible, start writing about be the most used book you ever get, get a simple translation. Acts chapter 8 and I'm going to read from verse 4 to 20, and I'm going to use this. I'm going to do light commentary, nothing, nothing heavy on this, but I'm going to use it as the leaping off point. There's something that happens in there. That'll be my leap off point for what we're going to talk about today, and I'll have three points in a little bit after we go through this. So Acts chapter 8, if you're there, say, I'm there. Now, Acts chapter 8 and verse 4 says this. It says, um, and, and by the way, this is after the church has now scattered because Saul, now Paul, uh, who we, we will know as Paul, he has been persecuting, they've stoned Stephen, they're scattering because it's forcing them to take the gospel into the whole world. 
And they're on the run now. And they're running out. They're running out to the outskirts now. In verse 4, it says this. Therefore, those who had been scattered went about preaching the word. This was always the goal. Scatter and preach the word. Get out there, share the word. Philip went down uh, to the city of Samaria. Say Samaria. Samaria. Good. And began proclaiming Christ to them. Now Philip, he is a deacon. He's one of the original deacons in the, first, in the early church of first followers. He's a born again, filled with the baptism and power of the Spirit of God deacon. And now he's out there on the front lines and he's an evangelist type by gifting. He's out there and he's sharing the, he's sharing the gospel with people. He's preaching the word of God. He's fearless, this guy is. I like him. Now, in verse uh, Samaria, by the way, uh, if you think about him going out there and preaching to Samaria, remember in our very first week, if you remember in the book of Acts, chapter one, one of Jesus' last words basically was, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. So now we're watching the gospel branch out through persecution. And like I told you three weeks ago, persecution is not always bad because remember what I said someone once said Christians are like tea bags they're no good till they get in hot water amen to that one it's like it just kind of wakes us up to the mission at hand so Samaria the place where Jesus met the Samaritan woman which we'll talk about in a bit Um, verse 6 the crowds with one accord were giving attention to what was said by Philip as they heard and saw the signs which he was performing For in the case of men who had unclean spirits, there's demon-possessed people there, Um, they were coming out of them, shouting with a loud voice, and many who had been paralyzed and lame were healed. So there was much rejoicing in the city. So miracles are happening through Philip as he's branching out. Now we say, well, I'd like to see miracles in my life. Then get out on the front line where you can only trust in the Spirit of God to come through for you, and then you'll watch God come through for you. But while we sit here complacent and pray, God, do a miracle, do a miracle, well, if not doing anything, why does God need to do anything? You follow me on that one right there? God really operates best when we are trusting Him in full faith stepping out there. Now, verse, so miracles are are taking place. Now, something very interesting is going to happen now. Verse 9. Now, there was a man named Simon. This is not Simon Peter, the, one of the followers of Christ. This is a different Simon, who formerly was practicing magic in the city and astonishing the people of Samaria, claiming to be someone great. So he's practicing magic, and this and that, verse 10. And they all, from the smallest to the greatest, were giving attention to him, saying, this man is what is called the great power of God. Verse 11. And they were giving him attention because he had for a long time astonished them with his magic arts. But when they believed Philip preaching the good news, stop, the good news, the gospel good news is basically this, guys. It's Jesus dies on the cross for our sins, is buried. Three days later, he rises from the dead to give us new life for anyone who puts faith in him. That's the good news. That's the gospel. That's what it is right there. So, uh, so he's preaching the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were being baptized, men and women alike. So people in Samaria are getting saved. They're coming to Christ and they're getting water baptized. Verse 13, even Simon himself, this is the magician, guys, him believed and after being baptized, he continued with Philip and he as he observed the signs and great miracles taking place, he was constantly amazed. So what's interesting here is You have this guy, Simon, who's like the David Copperfield of Acts chapter 8, okay, to put it in a simple way. And he's always been performing magic, and people are amazed by him to the point they call him the great, he's he's the great power of God. But he sees Philip praying for people, and they're getting healed, and demons are getting cast out as demon, as, as Philip is getting out in the front lines in the mission field and reaching people for Jesus Christ. Simon, the sorcerer, He knows that he just does magic tricks. And he's watching Philip do some real stuff. And because it's real stuff, it catches his attention. And and he's he's, he's, he's intrigued because he knows himself. He's just tricking people. But here he he has a guy 
that is, that's doing real stuff. So Simon himself, this magician, he comes to Christ. It says he believed, and he gets water baptized with everybody else. You know, it's questionable, but he's got some issues in his life, as we'll see possibly later. But now watch verse 14. Now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria, say Samaria, Samaria. <laughs> had heard the word of God, they sent them Peter and John who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they began laying their hands on them and they were receiving the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism in power, guys, because they're already saved people. We saw that in a few verses earlier. Verse 18, Now when Simon saw that the Spirit was bestowed through the laying on of laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered the money. When, if you're not used to the Bible, when this means laying on of hands, it means they're just laying hands on them and praying for them is what they're doing. So the laying on of hands. So people are getting saved. And here's what's fascinating to me in the story. They're getting saved. Here comes Peter and John. They come from uh, Jerusalem. These are the big guns. They come down. Samaritans are saved, water baptized, but now they send the big guns from Jerusalem to come down. They start laying hands on these Samaritans and they're receiving the empowering of the baptism of the Spirit of God. Simon, this ex-sorcerer magician, he looks at the whole situation and he says, and he, it says he sees the Spirit uh, basically uh, manifesting and he wants that. He want, you'll see that he wants it badly. He wants to be able to pray for people too. The question that I always have is this. What do he see? Can you actually see an invisible spirit come upon a person? He can't. So what do you see? The only thing I can come up with, and I can't tell you I'm 100% right, but I have to use Acts to, to operate within Acts, and I have to go back in Acts, Acts chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I have to say, when they receive the empowering of the Spirit in Acts 2, and now they're receiving in Samaria, the Gentiles are, what happened in Acts 2? They had the baptism of the Spirit. What was the initial evidence of that? They what? They spoke in tongues. So all I can conclude, and it's all I can conclude, is that what he saw was that these people, these new believers in Samaria, when the big guns come down and lay hands on them, because they're already saved now through Philip, that now they're receiving the empowering of the Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not water, but spiritual baptism, and they're speaking in tongues. Now, I can't prove that 100%. But I don't know what else it could be because you can't see a whole, an invisible spirit go into a person, right? And so that's happening. Now, let me give you a theological thing really quick in case some of you who are go down that road ever are approached this way. See, somebody will tell me, and as they have a few times in my 43 years of faith, because I believe in the empowering of the Spirit. I speak in tongues daily. I do all that. I believe in all the gifts of the Spirit for today. And I've prayed for many of you to receive these things. And I'm, when I'm done, you'll all receive these things, okay? Um, but, uh, but I've had people tell me, see, there's evidence right there that this, this baptism in the Spirit power and this speaking in tongues is only bestowed by the original 12 apostles. Well, 11 now, because Judas obviously dead. But 11, and that's why Peter and John have to come down for that, because that's the only ones. And once the apostles died, then this baptism and power is being done. That all ended. It wasn't needed anymore. I have a question. That can't possibly be true. And it's not because I feel or think it. All I have to go is Acts chapter 9. And when Saul, who we know as Paul, when he encounters Jesus Christ and calls him Lord on the road to Damascus, he knows now Jesus is the Lord. He was a hater, murderer of Christians. Now he knows the Lord, puts faith in Jesus, but he's blinded for a time. And he's waiting there in the street called straight, and God sends a man by the name of, anyone remember? Ananias, another Ananias, popular name. And he goes there, and he prays for Saul, who becomes Paul, and he prays, and it says specifically that he is filled with the Spirit. That's some of the terminology used for the baptism in power. And so you see it right there again. And so, that, so I, when people tell me it had to be the apostles, no, it doesn't have to be the apostles, because Ananias also prays, and they receive that. Now, let, let's finish this thing off in verse 19, 20, and let's get into this. 
saying give this authority this is what he wants he wants to give money when he sees it happen so the sorcerer says give this authority to me as well so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit but Peter said to him how many know Peter's kind of a straight shooter I mean he don't mess around this guy don't mess around but Peter said to him may your silver perish with you because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money whoa now here's the thing because I have three points today how in the world do I take what I just read and sit there and say I'm going to preach a message on the true Jesus and not sinking together Jesus with other things did you see that in there at all I'm going to take you down that road and I'm going to show you what's happening here because we have to go to other locations in the Bible to get the full picture and go into background how many like background on stuff like that because I do because it really enriches everything so here we go three things as we look at this today number one big point take care to never blend Jesus take care to never blend Jesus now let's look back at verse 14 in your Bibles and in verse 14 it says this now when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God they sent them who? are these guys big guns? you better believe they are big guns question in that verse where are they from? louder? Jerusalem why does that even matter? why does Dr. Luke who has written this he's put together Acts for us he's put it all in chronological order for us he also wrote Luke their companion documents if you ever want to read as it consistently goes through read Luke then Acts but why does it matter why does it matter that Peter and John and then we got to tell you they're from Jerusalem that is the big issue right there because point one is the foundation today point two I'll give you the application of it all okay here's how it all works they send okay the Samaritans Samaria sits kind of in the middle of Israel north is the kingdom of Israel south the kingdom of Judah because it split during the time of Rehoboam Solomon's son so it sits in the middle and uh, they're not full like Jews and they don't fully believe the way Jews believe we have to go back in time to a woman called the Samaritan woman who's heard of the Samaritan woman Okay, raise your hand. I want to know what you know about the Bible. I, I, I want to keep progressing you on. In John 4, go home and read it today. John chapter 4. Jesus comes there with the disciples. He tells the disciples, basically, go get us something to eat. He waits there by a well. Here comes a Samaritan woman at noontime. She comes at noontime because she's very ashamed of her life. She has been married five times and the man she's with now she's living with and she's trying to hide this stuff Jesus engages her in conversation because Jesus loves everybody right and he wants to save everybody from sin that will destroy their lives and just hurt them eventually so as he dialogues with her if you remember the dialogue at all any of it she gets into a theological debate with Jesus does she not she starts to disagree with Jesus because her theology on who God is is different and so she's somewhat verbally combative and she's evasive now let me tell you the difference between the two because this is where it's going to make the biggest sense the Samaritans these people that Jesus is now debating who are not full Jews they are Jewish and Assyrian but they, they did not they did not believe in the temple in Jerusalem they did not honor that whatsoever they had their own temple on Mount Gerizim in Samaria that was one of the debates she had with Jesus so now they had their own temple they weren't going to honor it the way the Jews honored it the Samaritans they believed in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy but they did not believe in any of the prophets after that and how many know that all those prophets they have prophecies that point to Jesus Christ to come amen so they don't believe in any of that stuff now it is so at odds with each other that a guy by the name of he's a, he's a Jewish priest in around 126 or one, something like it, 126 BC John Arcanus he goes up into Samaria on Mount Gerizim 
where this Samaritan temple was and he burns it down now when it burned down the Samaritans they didn't go down the Jewish temple no that's not our temple they just kept offering sacrifices right on the spot where it burned down they're not going to blend over there with that thing right there and so what happens later on in between 6 and 8 AD here comes these Samaritans they sneak down to the south they go to the Jewish temple there in Jerusalem and they bring bones with them now bones are from dead things right so dead animals they come and they throw these bones all over the temple which causes the Jewish temple to be made unclean ritually unclean so there's a big division between the two the, these Samaritans we're not honoring anything from Jerusalem we're not honoring the temple we're not honoring the prophets they got their own way of doing things so here comes the biggest issue right the issue is that the Samaritans they are blending things they are, in, they are eliminating things about God and they are inserting their own things about God and blending it all together are you following me so far question does it make sense I need to know okay good now here's the crux of it all Jesus would tell that Samaritan woman back in John 4 watch put it up there he told her this he says to the lady you worship what you do not know we worship what we know for salvation is from the louder it's from the Jews he told her that but the Samaritans say no it's coming through Samaria it's coming through Mount Gerizim no we're doing it our way and so now you find this big reason and it makes perfect sense why why do the big guns have to come from Jerusalem down to Samaria the reason is because salvation comes through the temple in Jerusalem it comes through the Jews it comes through all the Old Testament it comes through all of that and the Samaritans they are blending things and they have to unblend things and they have to operate and know who the true Jesus is amen to that one does it make sense yes or no okay now I'm going to practically apply it all so you can see how it works okay okay point two never create your own version of Jesus of Christianity never do that it pains me when that happens I listen it pains me as Christians do this so let me can I use my Jim Campo corny illustrations to illustrate is that okay okay yeah you like that huh how many and I've done this before this illustration how many of you like me you change the words to songs on the radio because your words are better than the original authors (laughs) raise your hand I want to know who's like me come on a few of you right okay okay I'm notorious and my wife goes what did you say or what did you sing because I sing out loud in the car now let me give you a couple of songs okay the first one you got to be old like me to know it the second one you got to be semi old like me to know it but my favorite singing voice style for of a woman is the late 50s and early 60s I just like that style of voice one of my favorite bands of that era is the Ronettes anyone heard of the Ronettes yeah I like the Ronettes now they sing this and all those who are like 80 years old raise your hand right now I'm joking I'm joking but uh, Ronnie Spector she sang and she sang this song and she, it goes like this last night I needed you so right and if I had the chance I'd never let you go it's a great song let me show you how I sing it I'm the preacher, okay? Would you control your wife, Dan? I thought we dialogued this already, like, before. Um, I'm just joking. I know them, so are they looking at me? No, I'm just joking. Um, But instead of singing, last night I needed you so, I sing, last night I needed to sow. Really? It pains you? My wife went to go, what'd you say? Or what'd you say? I go, oh, last night I needed to sew. She goes, that's not what they're saying. Like, what did they say? She goes, last night I needed you sew. I thought, well, I like my way better. Mine's more practical, is it not? I mean, don't you need to sew occasionally and stuff like that? So I sing it my way. It's my version, and I'm sticking to it, right? Let me give you another one that I sing. 
that my wife said, that's not what they're saying. And you know, don't you hate that they can look it up in Google right away? <laughs> really? You really have to do that, huh? Now, another one I like that from back when, late 60s, my junior high years, was, you ever heard the song Mellow Yellow? They call me Mellow Yellow. Now, how many have heard that song? Raise your hand. Okay, good. Okay, now we're on one. The rest of you will never raise your hand no matter what I say. Okay, it's like, it goes, here's how it goes. The words are, they call me Mellow Yellow quite rightly. That's what he's saying, rightly. I sing, they call me Mellow Yellow quite right slick. Doesn't it sound like that? No, come on, who knows? Yeah, thank you. You're going to heaven. Thank you. <laughs> it sounds like he's saying quite right slick. And she goes, that's how it is. So she looks up, it's quite right, Lee. I go, that doesn't even make sense. I go, the, the, the writer of the song is wrong. And I'm going to read it. My, I'm singing it quite right slick. And, and that's just the way I'm going to do it, okay? And so I sing it my way, which is the right way, right? Now, Thank you, whoever said yeah out there. God bless you, number one best buddies. Um, so, uh, but don't we do that with Jesus? No, yes or no? We take what it says, but eh, I'm not going to go with that. You know, I don't really believe everything. And I'm going to add my own words to that one. Don't we do that? Yes or no? It's a simple yes or no answer. It doesn't hurt to say out loud. Now, you know, I listen. I listen to people. I talk to people. And I hear people every so often tell me, well, you know, I don't agree with everything in the Bible. There's some things I don't agree with. And I'm thinking, you don't even know what's in the Bible. <laughs> and I just want to say, could you show me a few of them? They can never show you any of them. You know, so, but, you know, but they know, you know. And they always have a cousin. They know the whole Bible. Really, I'd like to meet them, okay? But, um, but they'll tell you things like this, that, you know, they know the whole Bible. But here's the thing. What we tend to do is we create our own version, right? Now, earlier I said that we, and, and Christians are the ones who typically do this, and there's unbelievers that do it too. We typically just say that Jesus is love, right? And we leave out the other parts of his character, correct? Just, you just gotta love and the Christian, you just got to love. I, I got a question for you. If somebody backs into your car out here in the parking lot, bam, you get out of your car and go, I'm just love. <laughs> it's just love. You can drive away now. You don't have to pay for my car. It's fine. I'll drive it with a wrecked rear end. It's fine because I'm love. You know that's never going to happen, huh? You're going to sit there. You want justice. I want to see your license. Call the police right now. My neck hurts, you know, whatever. <laughs> and you weren't even in the car. You were in here. But I felt it. I felt it, you know. Am I right? You want justice. Why do you want that? Because not only are you love, you have other parts to your character. Do you not? Do you not? You see, Jesus, he is love and he is grace and he is mercy but he's also justice right so you can't leave out all the parts of his character because if you leave out parts of his character you have created your own version of Jesus Christ have you not okay it's like this how many of you like to bake raise your hand and you've never baked me anything wow no I'm joking okay how many of you like to bake have at one point in your life accidentally left out a key ingredient and then you served it and people go <laughs> because it's awful right because you need the key ingredient you need that ingredient right you can't leave something out same thing with Jesus you can't leave something out he's all these parts all these pieces to his character and it's very important look 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 there's two ways we get this wrong. The first way I'm going to show you right now, and the second way when we get to point three, and I'm going to do Exodus 32, which is not in your notes, but I'm going to just, we're going to hit it. Um, one of the ways we create a new version of Jesus is we tend to make God 
into our own image. Let me explain it. We tend to make God into what we want him to be, right? Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, when God was creating, about to create man, he said, let us make man in our image. We turn around and say, no, I'm going to make God into my image. So we flip that script. And here's how we flip it. Okay, I'm going to give you an illustration of how we, we flip the script and make God into our image. This one popped into my mind when I, when, I was, when I was typing this out and studying it out. This happened 41 years ago. I wasn't born yet, but it happened. Um, <laughs> okay, so I, w- I, was, I, used to, I was a correctional officer at CIM Chino Prison. It's hard to believe, right? Yeah, and last week, remember what you guys said about me? You could easily see me before I was a Christian dropping F-bombs. Remember when you said that about me in this service? I, w- I went home and cried. So, that was before I was a Christian. Okay, let's make that straight, okay. So, one, and I'm a young Christian. This is 1981. And I, I get this partner in a, in a unit, a female, um, and, and we're working the unit, and we get to talking. And, you know, when, when you're a Christian, it's eventually gonna go to Jesus. How many know what I'm talking about? we're going to go there eventually I'm just telling you you know it's just because it's in you it's coming out anybody know what I mean if you don't know what I mean you need to know what I mean it's going to come out so we're talking and she makes a statement she's a Christian she's a Christian great we're going to fellowship here and then she says I'm living with my boyfriend now I'm a young Christian but I'm a young John the Baptist type and I just looked at her and said, that's a sin. <laughs> now, I'm sure I said it with no love whatsoever. I'm a young Christian, and I am a John the Baptist type. I'm just going to, I'm very blunt. Ask my wife. I'm just blunt. Um, and, I, and I've worked on it a lot, trust me. Because I think conversations go very well. I walk away, and they're laying down in a pool of blood face down. <laughs> I thought that went well, you know. And so... Um, she starts giving me rebuttals. So our shift ends. She goes home. Next day, we're going to work together again. <laughs> John the Baptist is waiting. <laughs> so she comes back, and she tells me this. You know, I went home. She lives with her boyfriend. And um, I just went to my room, closed the door. I can't remember. She told me she put a sign to just, she needed time by herself. And all night long, she stayed in her room, stayed there. And she said, my boyfriend knows when I'm having an emotional time and he just needs to leave me alone. And I was in there. And, he says, and she came back and she said, but she just told me, she goes, God is love and God knows my heart and God is love. I'm thinking to myself, then why did you spend the whole night in your room and not talk to anybody? What was going on with that? It's because you felt conviction. Am I right? I probably said it wrong to her, but I said the truth to her. But it was the conviction of the Spirit of God. You see, she had created a God in the image, her own image, which she wanted. I want to be able to live with my boyfriend, have all the sex I want, and I'm a Christian. Well, no, that's not the way it works. You want to live, you want to live for Jesus? Then you live for Jesus. That's what it says. And so she was heavily convicted, thoroughly convicted. But she came back and she told me, it's, you know, God, you know, God is love, God is love. Okay, let me go to point three because I'm going to run out of time if I don't. The third thing is this, trust that God wants the best for me. Now this is very important. Trust that God wants the best for me. Let's look at verse 15 and 16 and it says this, who came down and prayed, Peter and John came down, they came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen upon any of them, they had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, so they have not received the empowering of the Spirit of God. They're saved, they've been water baptized, but that hasn't happened yet whatsoever. So you could say it like this, their own version of faith 
would, they can get saved, but they would not receive the fullness that God had for them in their life. Are you following me on that one right there? Are you following? Unless they fully, fully go with the right version of Jesus, they'll never receive the fullness. That's why the Jerusalem big guns have to come down. You must accept that salvation is from the Jews or else you're not gonna get the fullness of what God wants for you in your life. Now, it's like this. How many of you have raised children and you're still alive (laughs) and you still have money? Okay. Did you ever, like me, no, I'm back up. You taught your kids how to live right, right? You taught them how to be good citizens. You taught them right from wrong. You teach them don't lie. <laughs> that went out the window the second week, right? You taught them all these things. And then, and then they get to their teenage years. And you've taught them all the right stuff. And then they decide to listen to their other 15-year-old cronies, right? And they're gonna pull all their wisdom, all their ignorance together and make wise decisions, right? Because, you know, they're so smart at 15, right? No offense to you at 15, but you don't have a clue, all right? I know I didn't. I thought I did. But you don't know what you don't know, and you don't even know you don't even know it. You can try saying that 10 times. And so, and, and then they, they make bad decisions. And it, it hurts them for a while. How does it make you feel as a parent? I know how it made me feel. Mad, sad, not glad. <laughs> you just, you, it's like, and why do you feel that way? Because you know a bad, bad decisions in their lives are gonna lead to them not living out the fullest life, right? That's how, that's how you feel inside. How do you think God feels? When we not, because we, we blend him, we create new versions of him, and we never live out the fullness of God. And he wants the fullness for our life. Now, I gotta rush this. Can you give me six minutes and then just run? I don't care where you run to, just run. But I really gotta give you, it's not in your notes, but if you have your Bible, this will be really good for you and me. Turn to Exodus chapter 32. It's not in your notes, won't be on the screen. This one's a, you gotta work for this one, guys. Exodus 32. Now, and this will tie everything together, but I'm going to do some commentary. Verse 32, I'm in chapter 32, verse 1, and I'm going to go to about, I'll go to uh, probably verse 8. This is when Moses has gone up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. He's been gone for a while. They've crossed through the Red Sea. Passover has happened. They're at Mount Sinai. And Moses is gone. And he's gone for a while. It says, Now when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain, the people assembled about Aaron. Aaron is Moses' brother. He's left Aaron in charge. And said to him, The people tell Aaron, Come, make us a God who will go before us. As for this Moses... The man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. Question, is strong spiritual leadership important? Is strong spiritual leadership in your family important? You better believe it. Because their main leader is not there. He's up in the Ten Commandments. And while he's gone, you got a wimpy brother named Aaron who's going to bend everything. Strong spiritual leadership in the middle of crisis, in the middle of pushback of a culture, must stand strong. You, father, in a family, you stand strong. Do you understand me? See, you're, you're getting kind of on it. Well, I'm 66. I can, okay? See, Jim, you're 66. I know you thought I was 26, but that's in the story. You got to stand strong. Spiritual leadership is important. Moses is gone. Aaron don't step up. Verse 2. Aaron said to them, they want him to make a God, right? (laughs) To lead them. Aaron said to them, tear off the gold rings which are in the ears of your wives, your sons. Can you imagine husbands going and tearing gold out of your wife's ear? Give me that gold ring back. You're not getting nothing back from me, buddy. (laughs) Your sons and your daughters and bring them to me. So he's asking for the gold. Where'd they get the gold from? They were slaves for 430 years. They got it from Egypt. Because God told Moses to tell Pharaoh, tell him to give us gold. 
And they did. Take the gold and get out because we don't want any more plagues here. So they got all this money and it's supposed to be used for the temple of God and all the gold for the temple. Did you know that? But watch what they use it for. Then all the people tore off the gold rings which were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. Huh, they're going to use this to make the golden calf. Isn't it amazing how we Christians will spend all our money on so many things and this, that, but the church, I'm not, no, no, uh. And yet here's Jesus who dies on the cross for our salvation, saves us eternally. I'm not going to hell, and yet I'm not giving God anything. Are we nuts? Are we unthankful? Can you imagine for some of us who do not tithe if God said, hey, we're going to go back in the records because I have them and every, all the tithe you owe to me, we're going to collect now. And some of us be leaving town, right? <laughs> Verse four, he took this from their hand. He takes all the gold and fashioned it with a graving tool. He starts to make this image and made it into a molten calf. And they said, here's what they say. He makes this, this calf, gold calf. And they say, this is your God, small g, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Here's what they're saying. This thing I made right now, this is what parted the Red Sea. This is what caused Passover and saved us. This is what turned the Nile into blood. This gold thing right here. Can you imagine how dumb that is? This is what's given you life. This is, this, is, this is what you draw your source from. It's an inanimate object. There's no life in it. Now, to understand, to fit in this, what we're talking about today, they make a golden calf. One, why do they do that? One of the gods of Egypt that the plagues, and all the plagues were against those gods, was Apis, the bull god. And so now you see where they're bringing the culture of Egypt into their life and blending it with Yahweh God. Do you see that? Do you see that? Now watch, you're going to see how they blend right now. Verse 5. Now when Aaron saw this, he makes the golden calf, they're all excited about it, everything. When he sees that, he builds an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, here's what he says, tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. The Lord? Now, here's what's just happening. In ancient times, many of these peoples, they would put their false idol God riding on the top of bull idols or on bulls. And that's what they're doing here. When he says tomorrow be a feast to the Lord, the word Lord there is Yahweh. This is God, Yahweh God. So they're not eliminating God. They're misrepresenting God. They're blending God. It's syncretism. Are you following me? That's what they're doing. They're blending him. They've created a God in the image they want him to be. Verse 6. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings and the people sat down to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. Rose up to play is the idea of they're having a sexual orgy. That's what's mean. That's a, yeah, it's the idea of it. Go read 1 Corinthians or 2 Corinthians 10. Go read it. Go read it. Guys, Apis the bull god is their Egypt's god of fertility. You become like the thing you worship. He's basically a sex bull god. And this is what they're becoming like. You become like the thing you worship. That's a Psalm 115 principle, by the way. Verse 7. Then the Lord spoke to Moses. Now, Moses up on the mountain. And God says to Moses, because God sees everything, right? He says, Moses, you better go down right, right now. For your people, isn't that funny? When Moses went to Pharaoh, he said, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. Now God says to Moses, Hey, your people? Because they sure ain't my people right now. For your people, whom you brought up from the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. I'll go back and define that word. They have quickly turned aside from the way which I commanded them. How quick we do turn aside, huh? They have made for themselves a molten calf and have worshipped it and have sacrificed to it and said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Huh. Now, when God tells Moses they've corrupted themselves, it means they've ruined 
and they've decayed themselves because they've blended. They created their own image of God. We've got a bull and we got Yahweh. We're blending it together. It's as they've corrupted themselves. You got to go fix it, Moses. You know it's wild? You want to hear a wild one? Aaron makes this golden image, this idol. When Moses simultaneously is up on the mountain and getting the Ten Commandments, what's the second commandment? You shall have no graven images. The very thing that God is saying they can't have is the very thing they're doing down in the valley. Isn't that wild? Isn't that wild? They've corrupted themselves. They've corrupted themselves. See, look. We live in an upside-down world now, do we not? You say, no, we don't. Okay. You need to get out more often. Yeah, we do. The morals are all over the place. Well, there's not morals anyway. It's just immoral. Everybody's doing what they think they should, they want to do. But we're the light of the world. We're these little lights. Aren't we? We've got to live as these lights. And we've got to stand for everything Jesus is. We can't blend him. It's not just love, love, love. No, we've got to speak the truth in love. We've got to do these things because it's blending more and more and more to the full erosion of society. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I fear for my grandkids because it's an upside down world and what they're trying to teach our children these days. I fear for them. And I fear because there will be hundreds of thousands if not a million people in about 12 years so ticked off that they were led down certain roads and made decisions and they can't reverse them. We carry the truth of God's word in us. We carry the light. And we're called to be the light. We're called to be these spiritual leaders. Peter tells Jesus, he says, to whom shall we go? When everybody's leaving him, to whom shall we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. You're the way. You're the one, man. There's no other way. It's this way. And we need to keep the true Jesus, the true Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. You're, you're really good to us. You're really patient with me. Thank you for being that to us. But help us. We, we need to be a light. We need to stand firm. We need to know our word. Grow in that Bible, friends. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.